0: Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. You see us? Yeah. I like that beanie. Yeah, man. That's when you don't have time to make your hair look good. Just wear a beanie.
1: It always looks good, Michael.
0: It always looks yeah. good. We already started recording, by the way.
1: Nice. I was going to ask you, when it comes to like comp stuff,
0: how early are you guys planning? I mean, serious planning six months before, but it's pretty much year round. Like light at least light stuff year round. Um I would say we get pretty grindy in terms of needing to do stuff a couple hours every single day, probably in the couple months or weeks before the conference, definitely. Um, and then I think Brian and I usually take time off work when it's like the week of or a week before. So we actually can really uh solidify anything else that needs to be done it's it's quite a time commitment um but if you if if we if we manage it well especially with volunteers and other organizers uh village organizers it becomes way less stressful and brandon had a you know a great idea this year to even help offload even more of the um of the burden of running the conference uh you know shout out to you know, Justine Harper, like for for example, she found a typo on our website and she submitted a pull request and like fixed it. Like that's kind of cool. Like the way we're like running things now. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a very organic way
1: of doing it. Brandon, um, for people that don't know you, who, who are you?
2: I'm Brandon Iglesias. Um, I think, uh, Tidwell and I have known each other for close to 10 years. We actually met at um, kind of one of our first jobs, or at least my first job here in Atlanta. And um, we've been really close friends ever since. And um, yeah, I live in Atlanta. I work for a distributed systems company as the head of product. And uh, I helped do TabConf out of a out of, uh, passion for Bitcoin. I, I like to look at it as um, kind of one of the small contributions that I try to make um, to further de- the development of Bitcoin. And you know, alongside with Tidwell. Honestly, we do it because we have a ton of fun every single year. We basically get to hang out with a bunch of our friends and hack and work on different projects. So,
1: yeah, last year was a lot of fun, man. It was so much fun. There was a, there was parties going on all night, but during the day was, (laughs) was entirely technical and it was a very developer focused, but uh, it it has a little bit of both. It kind of, it kind of reminds me of like, Like a little bit of bit block boom, but like a highly technical conference, but it's, it's just a good hangout all week. It's, it's very different than than a conference I've ever been to before. Uh, I'm not sure if that's what you are going for, but (laughs) that's how it it, was last year. I think it
2: definitely is. Uh, We don't like to take ourselves too serious, to be honest. We like to have fun with it. And if it's not like fun for us and we're not having a good time at the conference, geeking out and learning and building with everyone, Mm -hmm. then it's like, we're doing it wrong. You know, so
1: yeah. So so let's let's explain to people um, the I guess the history of TapConf when you guys first started this. Was it back in 2020 or when did y'all how long have y'all been doing it for Is this? uh. So the
2: our first conference was actually in 2018, um, but even before 2018, Michael and I were organizing meetups in Atlanta and that's actually how the conference came to be in 2017. In 2016, we had meetups that had over 400 people in attendance. So it was kind of like a sign that the Atlanta community wanted more. So in 2018, we decided to throw a one day conference basically like to satisfy everyone's thirst for learning. And, um, the conference sold 200 tickets and we ended up having like close to 250 people at the actual conference that they have. So people were selling tickets that they bought for 10 bucks they were selling them for a hundred bucks, 10 X the price on the black market, just so that people can get in. So it was, it was pretty cool to see that. And that kind of validated the idea that we had, that people were looking for kind of a a technical Bitcoin conference, something that they could really get into the weeds on.
1: What's uh, what, so tell us about the GitHub. Cause I know that's like something that I saw on stacker news about the GitHub, about requesting it, panels, all that stuff. Cause that's like really key for this year's tap Yeah. Um,
2: I can share a little bit about it. So uh, I I think I was was like staying up late one night and I was thinking to myself, man, how can we reduce the amount of work that we have to put this conference on (laughs) selfishly? And I was like, man, you know, it would be really cool if we actually got people to start opening GitHub issues. And those GitHub issues can basically act as the talk workshop panel submissions. And then we can use a GitHub project to organize the conference itself part of what we're trying to do is push people to be more, you know, push people to like level up in terms of from a technical aspect, right? So mm-hmm. if you're new and you, or, or if you're not really an engineer, but um, you want to level up and you want to start to get into the weeds and read about these projects and look at their GitHub repositories and see what they're working on, a great, you know, a great way to do that is to just get familiar with GitHub. So I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, it would be really awesome if we just ran this whole conference out of GitHub. It would, it would also kind of help with the, the ethos and the feel of the conference, and you're going to walk around Tabconf, everyone's going to have a computer screen open, they're going to be looking at the GitHub project, and then, you know, referencing all the different repositories for the different workshops and, and talks that we're going to have at, at the conference. So it was kind of like, it was a combination of how can we reduce the overhead to run the conference and how can we make the conference more open source and more transparent to everyone who's going to attend. because. Typically, conferences, when, when the programming is selected, it's kind of selected in a silo, right? And mm-hmm. there could be quite a quite a bias. So we're, we're hopefully going to be getting a bunch of different people talking about these specific GitHub issues on the issues themselves. And then we can see what kind of talks and workshop submissions have traction within the people who are going to be attending the conference.
1: Right. Yeah, right now I'm looking at it right now. We have about 16 16- panels that have been submitted and we're still, and it, it's not till September, right? So that's pretty good, man. How many, how many totals panels and, and talks did we have
0: last year or last year? Yet? Maybe a little, Just
3: 20,
0: maybe 40, no, no, no. We, we only, we only organized one stage last year. Um, in terms of like the whole conference, there might've been 50, I don't know. But um, for the, for the stage that Brian and I organized uh, along with other, parts of the team like maybe like 20 or less 20 oh wow yeah. i mean we we, i don't want to i think a a little bit more like long form sometimes is needed especially for like deep stuff um you don't want to just give them 30 minutes you want to give them like a whole hour and then Mm -hmm. you only want to have like three or four of those a day you know you know you start to really limit how many uh you know events that you can have i think maybe you know under 20 is a, is a good spot to, you know, for a two, you know, two days of organizing uh, that stage. So. Um, yeah. That's
2: just
0: facilitated other things potentially going on before. Did, did we use that stage for work? No, we didn't. We didn't use that stage for workshops. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, outside of the two days for the main stage, we also organized, I think those 22 workshops that ranged anywhere oh, wow. from an hour to three hours long and then each of the independent villages had their entirely own schedule so you know the 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 BitDes village the the um the the next village the club village all of those villages had their own programming their own schedule and they kind of they kind of do that on their own we're not a part of that
1: yeah i i know when we we're doing the club dev village that was it was a big undertaking <laughs> like I mean, I I know it was Nifty helped out a lot, and so did Sean. But like, just uh, the little the little things that we did for Plub it was it was a lot, dude. Just getting people there and doing all that stuff.
0: That was just one village. <laughs> we should even think like what I want to get in the mode of is, I know y'all did uh, popcorn and live coding. So imagine taking like way less stress and just doing putting in the popcorn. popcorn village you know you know it's like <laughs> you know it's just like real like you come in here to like live code and here's your slot and that's it and then there's popcorn yeah and that that was it. that was nifty's like, idea it, it got, got people in the door, door. um mm. yeah it's like if you want to help contribute to this project well this guy's live coding this would be a good time to come check it out uh do i don't know how much Q&A happened during the live coding but um I know. I know they're taking questions.
1: Yeah, Rusty. When Rusty did his, he was he was taking questions, and it was kind of interesting, and just to see how everybody solves problems differently. (laughs) Just from like my perspective, you know, I'm not. That's not my niche, but it was just really fascinating how the problem solving happens
0: when you guys code. You you really realize. Yeah, when when you watch someone live code, no one codes the right way the first time unless they're really, really comfortable with what they're doing which means they're probably not growing if they're doing the same thing over and over so if you if you're watching someone like uh do something i guess you could say like new or work on something that they're not comfortable with um you'll start to realize these guys are humans you know these girls are humans like they're no you know like it it becomes way less intimidating where you're like oh they're also on Stack Overflow or they're also looking at documentation or they're also needing F12 into stuff, you know, and figure out, you know, how this function calls this thing. And, it, you know, um, it's it's very, like, humbling to see, you know, things done live sometimes because there's, like, this uh, imposter syndrome kind of stuff that happens when you're around a bunch of people doing amazing things. And you realize, you know, we're all quote-unquote plebs here, like, at, at least at some to some extent. And, uh, I don't know, I like it. I, one thing we're, we're talking about GitLab um, a bit ago and how we're trying to use that to help offboard some of the organizing and stuff. But I, I think would be cool is, you know, the emojis uh, for uh, GitLab when you can go to like a GitLab ticket and do like a thumbs up, a heart, a uh, rocket ship, whatever. Um, if we utilize those emojis for voting, because I think there's a lot of pressure on the organizers to pick good content and the organizers are never going to pick the best content no matter what right unless they get re- unless they get lucky or they're just you know they make it a full time job and they get lucky you know uh but but what i was thinking is instead of trying to guess if we really utilize this idea where um we can kind of get public sentiment on what's an interesting idea and what isn't then it's like people can be like, Hey, this had like 200 thumbs ups, you know, maybe that's like a ton, but you know, how come you guys didn't do it? Well, at least they can kind of hold our feet to the fire now and be like, well, yeah, we should have, um, or why did you put this over that? And, and, uh, I, I like the idea of making it a little bit more community involved, um, and like for the transparency and all that kind of stuff. And you can also see who like is commenting, who's also giving these emoji thumbs up and, um, or, you know, hearts or whatever. So I, I do like this idea cause there's like last year people were like, oh, did, did these people, you know, uh, did they get a, a talk? Did they have to pay money to get on stage? Did they, you know, how do these people go, but not these people, you know, like, I, I want to avoid these questions cause no one pays to get on stage. We're just trying to make good decisions and sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes it works out really well. Sometimes it doesn't. And, um, this is something I think that would be really cool. I, I could imagine like other conferences you know utilizing this idea like if this ends up working well for us, I would uh, I would hope that maybe like the norm going forward is like this kind of transparent organization like where you organize out in public and, it, and you don't you don't try to black box everything in a Google sheet you know with with like three people or something. you you, you have it open in there and you say, look guys, this is what we're doing. You can see it real time. Um, as things get locked in as things get submitted and uh i think uh there, there's a bit of an element of keeping things close to the chest just for just about everything we do in any industry and i don't i think sometimes we we caution on the side of overprotecting um where where things that are like only get a, a revealed like need to know basis which i think is really important for certain uh, kind of use cases and certain, uh, things, especially with like personal identifying information and, and, um, and anything to do with like security. Right. But I think we, we kind of overly do that sometimes when, with, with things that aren't necessarily needing that real high standard. So, um, I, I like the fact that we're doing this because I don't really think it needs to be private. um, I think it kind of gives an element of of interest if it is kind of publicly being done, you know?
2: Yeah. One of the other cool elements to it is that even if a specific talk or workshop submission doesn't get chosen, people are able to see everything that uh, others submitted and then they can find each other if they're interested in those topics and just have like a mini conversation about it at the conference, right? Like it's hard to know what other people are interested in talking about and having all of these submissions be public kind of gives you insights into what everyone is thinking about and allows you to like have those conversations at the conference, even if they're not officially on, you know, on the on the schedule per se.
0: And then potentially even a village could pick up an interesting idea that other people aren't picking up. Like if there's someone that is like, quote unquote, a no name, like we, no one really knows who this person is, but they have a very interesting idea for a talk. Then it's like, if you have someone really passionate about like this idea, then they might say, hey, look, like come to our village and give this presentation, you know? Like I I, I think that also like, you know, brings that idea, Brandon.
1: Yeah. I was I kind of want to go back to what you were talking about, Michael, about the um about the openness of creating events and creating like these type of conferences. There is something to be said about um biases or nepotism or even like pay to play kind of rules that kind of, I don't, I I agree with you. I don't want that to permeate in, in, in the things that I do. Um, but like funny enough, like we're throwing our sats by thing. Right. And it's really hard to put even like a one day event together uh, and a hackathon and things, but much less to try to put on like four days, what you guys are doing. Um, I think I think you I think you hit on a couple of things though. Allowing the people that are attending these events to vote on what they want to see and what they actually want to to view um will just make for a much better uh in, in you know experience uh when we're in Atlanta. So I th- I think you might be on to something uh that a lot of other people will start adopting if if it kind of takes off this way. And it it seems like there's already 19 of these, you know, submitted. So it. It very seems likely. Some of the like some of the talks that we've been having around Austin about TapConf this year, like everybody's going to go. Like that I've been talking to. One of the one of the things they are saying though, Michael, is that um it's too early to like put on the list of like what to do, you know, or what we're going to talk about. Like some of them are, have told me, like, "Car, what do I even put up there?" Because it, it's going to change from. You know, from this quarter to to later in the quarter. So what would be your your answer to that or or what would you suggest?
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a great question because honestly, sometimes the most interesting thing that you want to talk about only happen weeks and days before uh, the conference, right? And I think there needs to be this idea of uh, a happy medium where you don't want to go in completely unorganized. And you want to have room for exciting new things that happened recently, so I think um I think there there can be an idea of you know in this I would say this is an art, and this is not a exact science, uh, but trying to find a happy balance of when you kind of when you know it when you, when you, or when you see it you know it like you know that's going to like probably hold to the test of time till the conference so if something wants to get locked in let's say 3 4 months 5 months before the conference well you know this is like super standard ECDSA isn't going to change or something and you know maybe you want like a talk on this to help you know uh you know upcoming developers learn really closely about ECDSA and this is the perfect speaker for it, and he really wants to do it you know that might be okay to lock in and it's like okay, that takes up one slot, but you wouldn't want to completely saturate the schedule with pre-planned uh, talks because, you know, I say I, I would I would imagine a lot of really interesting things are going to happen between now and September. Um, so, and 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 also here's another idea, like not to say we would do this, but let's say we have like two talks on ordinals or something, right, or three talks on ordinals. And then by the time September comes around, no one cares about Ordinals. You know, it could also be like a flip side of this. Do you see what I'm saying? Where it's like, I'm and, and you know, I'm not trying to throw shade at Ordinals right now. I'm just giving an example. Like, like this this could happen where it's like something that that's hot, like Nostr. I'll I'll give Nostr because I you know Zebedee, you know helps you know we have some people helping develop it, so I'm, I'm less biased there because I I want Nostra to succeed succeed right. So so let's say Nostr is real hot and then we have like three or four talks on Noster. Well then Noster comes around and then uh for some reason Fiat Joff and everyone's like screw Noster and like we're not going to use anymore. Well then you've you've taken up four slots on the calendar for like this many months and then you know what I mean? And then so so you I think finding a balance um here isn't a direct science. I think it it's kind of just like you know, you just have to kind of find a balance there. And I, I, you bring up a great point. The schedule, I think, needs to allow this kind of flexibility. Um, and 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 usually, Brandon, I don't think we really lock in things until about a month before the conference. No. You know? Yeah.
2: what well, Kind of what, what we've been telling folks is please go ahead and submit your, your issues on GitHub. If you have anything that you really want to talk about as it comes up, just submit it. And you can always close those GitHub issues if those topics are no longer relevant or you don't want to talk about them or actually just change the description and adjust it as you get closer to the event. And I don't think we're going to be locking in any talks until probably somewhere between three to six weeks before the conference is when we'll actually start moving these GitHub issues onto the GitHub project that we're going to use for the schedule itself. So right now, if you go to the schedule, there's just two example talks essentially. Um, but as we get closer and and as we lock in some of these talks, then we'll move those to the schedule. And then when those talks get moved to the schedule, they'll get a uh, probably get they'll probably get a label attached to them that says like locked or something. And then that's how you'll know that that talk is going to happen at least at, on the main stage um, at TabConf. So
1: yeah, so, so let's say hypothetically, like programming Bitcoin in Rust, right? Like that's that's one that looks like. Uh, Tobin put in here uh, four days ago. That's kind of been taken off here. We're about to do a workshop here on Saturday about it. Um, what, like, let's say hypothetically, everybody wants that to be a thing because I w- I want to see that panel uh, or workshop at TabConf. I just go in there and then comment below. Or do are we are we doing the smiley face, Michael? Like, what are we doing there as far as like
0: thumbs up? We we have no. There's already three. We, we have no formal. There's process. already. Yeah, um, I would say we're we're learning this as we go, uh, and based on what people do, might create some sort of pseudo formal process that that we end up going forward with. But if I think it's kind of like a blank slate right now, uh, I don't know if we should dictate too much on how we want people to engage. But if, for instance, we see like people are commenting and they're willing to put their name behind the comment, and like you know they're like, hey, this is important, we should give this guy a chance, or it's someone you know. That has like a bunch of emoji thumbs up or hearts on it, uh, rocket ships or whatever. Like, I uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe Brandon and I or someone else wants to give a suggestion on the best way to kind of uh, collect this, you know, or or create a metric for what what's of interest for for people. But uh, we we don't have anything formal at least right now.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, I I, think- I I left a comment on there right now so. <laughs>
0: Nice. And a thumbs well, up. Right. So. Yeah. Now, now we have a formal process. I think, process. It's, it's
1: <laughs> I think just,
2: just you know, using emojis and adding comments or adding questions is probably going to be enough signal for us to realize which of these topics are on people's minds and things that they want to see and, and learn about at the conference. I think for me, you know, one of the things that I'm like most excited about that I've been seeing with with our little experiment is the amount of effort and the time that you you know, these people are putting into these submissions, like all of these submissions, I guarantee have taken these folks 30 minutes to an hour or multiple hours to create because the level of detail that they're, that they're putting on these submissions is just, you know, it's phenomenal. I'm just, that's like one of the things that I'm like fucking psyched about. Like people are putting some serious effort and time behind these submissions because, you know, people are proud of what they put on GitHub and they want to make sure that they put their best foot forward. So I'm psyched about that. It also just makes it so that the conference feels like it's not just a four-day event. You can go in and go to the GitHub repository and take a look at all the different submissions and add comments and start talking to all these people who want to talk on these different topics before the conference ever happens. So hopefully the learning starts before the conference and continues after the conference.
1: Right. That, that's one thing I I've noticed. We've been doing workshops at the lab for about six months now. Um, and every time these guys, like we have a whiteboard and we just tell people to write whatever they want to do for whatever Saturday. And they just go up there. Like Tony's doing one next week. Paul wrote his name for Russ this week. And I, I asked them, I'm like, so like, what is it about these workshops that you guys like? And they, they literally say, they literally tell me they're like car. I, we just like showing our work, like what we're working on. And like, that's all it's about. Um, and And they put a lot of effort into like you know PowerPoint presentations or you know just a, you know Google slides or whatever it, It's something to be said about uh developers uh, especially bitcoin developers they're they're very open with with what they're building and they want people to to be involved um everywhere, like all at once. so uh yeah, man, hats off to you guys kind of doing it this way. I think this is the right uh, right approach for sure.
0: Also, when you need to make something public, uh, <laughs> you usually do a better quality. And it, it's funny, like if, if you've ever organized an event, um, you'll probably know sometimes for some people, it's like pulling teeth, trying to get a description or a you know, summary or title or whatever. And in this case, it's like they submit something. It's not like a mystery. So we're not really, we're, we're kind of going for something a little, you know scary i guess where you know we have probably some big players big names like good developers uh that may not submit an issue and then now it's like okay well now we kind of have to like try to persuade them to submit an issue maybe or something but um but, but the quality, like in terms of like organizing and getting the quality of, you know, getting the information up front on what they actually want to talk about. Uh, it's all right there. So I, I know like in the past, at least, um, especially like 2018, you know, first time I did I was more like, okay, I can get this person to speak, this person to speak, this person to speak, this person to speak. Person to speak. And then like, I was scrambling last minute to actually like figure out what the heck they're actually going to speak about. And, um, you know so that just takes one you know it just takes one complexity out of the organizing which is nice
1: yeah so right now we can get comp tickets for $100 or no
0: $121 yeah that's that, right that for food coffee after parties everything everything's all always all included
1: and are are we going to do the same thing we did last year where we had uh, bit devs that week dude bit devs was like a lot of fun y'all's bit devs is way different than Austin Bittes. it gets really spicy, bro. <laughs> did yeah. you did you go to it? Did you guys did you see that, Brandon? Like how spicy that BitDes was?
2: <laughs> I didn't make it, but I heard.
0: Cool. We, uh, we're busy setting up at the conference, so Stephen um, was actually holding it down at the BitDevs, along with uh, Brianna, I believe, and uh, so so we we uh, we're we're holding down the the venue organizing, setting up stuff, you know, but, but yeah, we're, I, I believe the idea, uh, last I talked to Steven is cause Steven is more or less, um, running bit devs at this point with a, a couple people, but I see him as kind of like the leader right now. Um, he is planning to do a bit devs right before Tabconf like he, like he did last cool. year. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. It was a great time. So many big names there. So, so, so it's just a beautiful space, man. It it felt like a church. It was, um, it was was (laughs) awesome. Yeah. And see the NCR building. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how, how are things at Zebedee? Michael, I know you guys, uh, announced the NBD last year. You guys are more focused on Oster. Uh, are you guys, are you, you, have you guys already done a paid relay right now as far as for the, for the, I think Andre has had had announced like some kind of relay. Are you guys charging for that relay, or is it still free? I
0: I do not know. I'm I'm so heads down with other product lines at Zebity that I am not able to keep up with how fast we're moving on the Nostr side of things. Um, I don't know what I can say. I do know some things, but I don't know what I can What's say. What's public but yeah. stay, stay, stay Stay tuned. Right. Stay yeah. tuned cool things to, to come. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely interested in Nostra as, you know, some of the people at Zebedee are really, really heavily involved, like Fiat Jaff, for instance. So Andre. Yeah. yeah.
2: I think for I think for sure there's probably going to be at least one, one thing happening at TabConf about Noster.
1: Yeah. What do you think? Are you guys going to hey. do a hackathon this year? Or Builder Day? So,
2: yeah, I think the plan as of right now, it, you know, for sure it can definitely change as, as things start to shake out. But um, we got a lot of really positive feedback about Builder's Day last year. People absolutely loved kind of, it was, you know, basically a co-working session where people can get onboarded to all these different FOSS Bitcoin projects and make, you know, hopefully make their first contribution or review their first PR. And the biggest point of feedback that we got was that there just wasn't enough time? Like people wanted to keep hacking away at these projects and keep getting onboarded and go to the next table that had the you know a maintainer for this project so that they could learn about it. Um, so I think this year, at least as of right now, we've talked about doing Builders Day uh, over the course of two days, so Builder Days, um, along with um, doing the workshops over those two days as well, and then you know that's going to give people the opportunity to hop into a workshop. Learn something new and then go back to Builder's Day and keep working on the project that they got onboarded to and vice versa. So it'll also allow us to hopefully run more, uh, more workshops. I think last year we had 22 and it was over the course of three. Basically we had three tracks going all simultaneously. So it was like really hard for people to choose. Like there's three tracks going on and they wanted to attend two of the three workshops. You know, you can only be in one place at a time. So, you know, this upcoming year, I think. We're talking about doing two workshops at a time just so that people have more options and can attend more workshops if they choose to. And then also just giving people time to work on these on these FOSS Bitcoin projects and get onboarded.
1: Right. That, that, was, that was really cool. That was one of the things I liked was when we came there the first day, it was like full builder's day. And then everybody kind of like talked and we all got acquainted, reacquainted with one another. And then it was like the next day, everybody was ready for like full on listening because everybody had already, you know, did their, you know, like getting to know, seeing each other for the first time in a long time. And it was, it was very, it was, that yeah. was very smart. It was like, you got all the, cause what would happen in a typical conference, you spend the first day, just not even paying attention to, to the panels or the workshops. Cause you're all just excited to see each other again. So. Hey, you got to catch up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a uh, definitely something that we wanted to plan. The, the, the problem with uh we we've, we've talked about this a couple times uh brand and i but um uh hackathons are hard to do well they're easy to maybe just do but they're hard to do well and we feel like we were not doing a good hackathon like we we were doing a hackathon like like in previous years but we weren't doing it well enough to like in, in, like my standards or brand standards so we're trying to shove too many things in at once. and if you try to have a hackathon before a conference, well, then people you know usually like to do hackathons ideally if they're working at nine to five like on the weekend. But then if your venue is on a Thursday, then you have to do uh, either the hackathon after the conference or a whole week before the conference and then, and then you, that's a big time commitment. And then will you have enough interest in people wanting to be in Atlanta for a whole week? And then uh, will you have you know if you do a hackathon after the conference? Well, after the conference is over, a lot of people leave, and all that energy leaves the city, right? So it's it's uh you know scheduling that is is tough. And then also, um, if you have a hackathon kind of after a conference, it's almost like you spend all this time networking and you know spending all this energy learning and all this and then you're kind of like, okay, now I need to sludge through this. And if you have it before, you know, you're spending you're spending late nights and then you and then you're maybe even doing stuff during the conference and you can't enjoy the conference. Um that's that's essentially why we decided to do Builder's Day, uh, where it was a you know hackathon light where there were no hard objectives, there were no perverse incentives. Uh a perverse incentive potentially being Hey this hackathon has x thousands of dollars in prize money, so now you have to build something in order to uh, satisfy that objective versus what we want to do is have the person work on what they actually want to work on uh with no kind of uh you know like prize potentially that 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 is for that specific thing and that they could uh that they'll want to work on afterwards right um I know, like a lot of hackathon projects are like, all right, I'm going to build it, and then I'm never going to look at it again after the hackathon. And we we don't really, we didn't really like. We're trying to figure out like, oh, if we're already not doing this well, if it's already like, you know, it's hard to raise like money for for hackathons. It's hard to like, you know, it's it's a big time commitment on voting, and then and then then scheduling because now you want to make sure it doesn't conflict with the conference. Because if you try to do the hackathon during the conference, then it's just a shit show because then no one that's in the hackathon gets to enjoy the conference. And then if you want to vote on it, then you need judges and panels. And then you have to, then it's like, do you want to recognize those people at the conference? And then do you have time for that? Or if you're doing it afterwards then you don't even get that opportunity. And it's, it's just, a, it's just a lot of work and it takes a lot of energy to run well. And we felt like we would better be served with a very relaxed builder's day environment. Um, that that would um, you know funnel through into a a more organized kind of schedule, like workshop, where where these things didn't like conflict with each other and stuff. So it's kind of like the mindset, at least there um, that we had.
1: Yeah, the Builders Day works out a lot because I, I know Thomas was running around trying to get people to speed hack. So that was that was a thing last year. Um, so it was kind of cool. Um, just to comment on hackathons, because we're, we're, we're doing a hackathon here next month. And I think you're right. A lot of the points that you made are are dead on, right? Like, especially the sponsorship stuff and um, trying to like do it right. And I have seen people will just come fly in for a hackathon and then they'll leave right afterwards. Um, so I think I think that's a thing that I've noticed, especially in prior hackathons that we've been a part of, where... People won't even go to the conference, but they'll just, they'll they'll even ask, like, can I just go to the hackathon instead? Uh, Or they'll just fly in for the hackathon. The the other thing I will say, though, maybe it's just Austin hackathons, but the ones that we've had here, some of those projects that were a part of those hackathons um, ended up becoming companies, like ended up becoming startups. Um, And it it happened. I don't want to say who who those startups are because they would get mad at me but uh, the like the satsby we did last year the start of that um was was like a a, a company right now that's 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 a startup and then for the bbt BT, btc plus plus one there was another one a part of that that ended up becoming a startup um, so I, I will say there's there's maybe it's maybe it's different in different locations and maybe the the type of people that are attending them uh, look for different things but i think the vast majority of the projects there do unfortunately do get abandoned it's it's unfortunate
0: um i would say that if you're running hackathons that end up resulting in startups you're doing it well regardless of location uh but but uh i would i do have a question for you the the hackathon that uh you guys did that that did show success where you know um you guys had a lot of engagement and people started some companies and got together was that a hackathon before the conference or after the conference? And then how much, you know, time lapse between the hackathon ending and the conference? Or I think, vice versa?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's kind of a, a different answer than probably what you're looking for. Um, what I've noticed, at least here in Austin, is these guys just need a reason to build, and and they also need a reason just to be holed up in a in a place to build over the course of two days. And if you give them incentive to do it, they'll do it. They'll they'll talk about it and and they'll they'll discuss it amongst themselves in the lab or at the commons or or wherever they're they're kind of already doing it. But they won't really actually go and do it until you like give them like say, here's two days, here's some prize money, and then they'll actually go and actually try to make it, at least from what I've seen.
0: Or my my question was like uh uh, the 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 hackathon that, that you're like, maybe like one of them that we're describing here. How did that, uh, how did that fit in with a conference? Can you describe that?
1: Oh, so like the Bitcoin plus plus one for that one. I, Nifty just came to us and she, she had saw that we did the sats by hackathon and we were already kind of, you know, getting developers together. Um, and she just asked us to be a part of Bitcoin plus plus and to do the hackathon portion of it. I don't know if she's doing one this year. I haven't spoken to her about it. Um mm-hmm. But I mean we're gonna do one next month and then I think she's still gonna do the conference at the long center. So I I I hope she does a hackathon because I honestly think like I was talking to Woosley about it. Like I think we could do hackathons every month here in Austin, uh especially so, like during lit devs and stuff.
0: So so um I, I think I think you're you're helping me make my point, but I just want to make sure. But you're 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 organizing a hackathon, not a conference, right? When we talk about the, the hackathon. So so, like, to my point is, it's really hard to put the hackathon really like and fit it nicely into a conference. I think hackathons should be hackathons, and don't necessarily need a conference to be part of that. Now, if someone wanted to do a hackathon for Tabconf, or like before Tabconf, after Tabconf, whatever, I don't think that should be up to Tabconf. I think that should be up to whoever wants to organize that hackathon. And, oh, that's a great idea. and and i I just like even if a village wanted to do a hackathon, that's on them, right? I just don't feel like Tabconf needs to be responsible. Like we can be the container for the building. Like we can buy the rent, you know space and and give it to people. But we don't need to actually run the hackathon because I think it's very hard to to do that well, like because then you're just going to get to where, someone's like oh well we can't have this talk because that's during the hackathon or this like the hackathon just needs to be its own independent like entity that that like uh you know the conference doesn't need to worry about the hackathon doesn't need to worry about the conference like there's no stress there there's no tension it's just it is what it is like even if they're at the same time so yeah that's my point is it's very hard to do the conference hackathon thing well it's not impossible I, I just think it's very hard. I think the ideal situation, like the absolute ideal situation is you have, which is, I don't think we're, we're not in the position to do this, uh, Brandon, but it would be, you have a hackathon on a weekend and, uh, that prevents people from needing to, you know, take time off work or maybe you like you start on a Friday where only people need to take off like Friday and then you start the the conference directly after the complete conclusion of the hackathon and the people from the hackathon all get free tickets to that that like actually submitted work get free tickets to the conference i think would be kind of like the the ideal situation where the hackathon is completely independent of the conference and the people that participate in the hackathon are also now like saying thank you for hacking You know, if you want to also not just fly out of town, if you want to also just hang out with us, we're going to do this for the next few days. So, and then, and then, you know, winners are recognized on stage or something like this. But that is very, that's like, to me, that's very hard because a lot of times you can't get venue space and you can't, you know, you can't, you can't get that kind of schedule a lot, you know, anyways. So,
1: that's no, that makes
0: sense.
1: That makes sense. Uh, Brandon, you got any thoughts on, all that stuff.
2: I mean, my main thought is that I'm really, I'm really happy that Austin is, is taking lead on doing the hackathons <laughs> because we well, didn't do it well, but you, you all are doing it well. So I'm, I'm like really happy that you all are focused on this and, and making it happen and giving builders a space to, to build like what you were describing.
1: Yeah. Shout out to Parker, man. Parker, Parker Lewis. He's, um he's always been a big champion of, of developers here in Austin and, it's, it's literally uh, like we were having the sats by thing and it's just too big. Like it's, it's going to be too big. And, you know, reached out to Parker and like, Parker, can we do it over there too? And he's like, yeah, car, whatever you want. So it, it's just hats off to Parker and the team at Bitcoin commons, Kaylee and all them um, really making it happen. Yeah. Um, what ha, ha, are you guys associated with the terminus terminus laboratory? Like it, do, do you guys work out of there or how, how, how is that going? I'm always curious. So don't hear too much from it. I know they do so, workshops yeah. and stuff.
0: Yeah. So, so Steven, Brian, and there might be one or two other people, but that's, that's uh, their initiative. That's not related to like TabConf or anything. That's just a, like another thing going on in Atlanta. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. Do you guys all like, so, uh, Steven, Steven DeLorme and Brian Nani or are, are uh, if you know who they are, they're, they're, yeah. I think the, they're running that mainly.
1: Oh, cool. Okay. And you guys are, do, do they do, because I, I see sometimes they do workshops on Saturdays and stuff. Do you guys ever attend those or how does that going?
2: Uh, I actually went over there on Tuesday to hang out with Brian and and do some work. So it's a great place to go hang out and, and co-work and, and do stuff like that.
0: Yeah. I've, I've been to Terminus uh, several times. It's, it's a nice spot. Uh, they, they bought more like office space there. They have, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice, like cozy setup. Um, you know, they, yeah, they, also, yeah, they're running, they're running, uh, uh, workshops and they're running, um, uh, like we're, we're also using that same building, like when we're doing like the mastering lightning, you know, book. So,
1: you know. yeah, that's awesome, man. It It's, um, it's really cool to see, uh, that get created, uh, from afar. I'm just like, man, that's so sick. um, yeah, big fans of what you guys are doing in Atlanta. Um what's uh what's the housing market look like over there? People want to move to Atlanta. I'm just like I'm just curious like what is the <laughs> rent all that type of stuff. Like if there's Bitcoin if there's Bitcoiners right now or plebs listening or even devs listening and they so, want and
0: you had to pitch them for Atlanta Bitcoin, what, what yeah, would be the pitch? It's a, it's a, it's a good question cuz like the the big thing that comes up is like oh, you have state income tax and Florida doesn't. So that's that's like one thing I've heard. Um, another thing is Georgia about, I don't know, four years ago, three years ago, like before COVID um, was very, very affordable and cheap. And now we're not, you know, we kind of like the same thing that happened like Arizona happened to us um, where like everyone was like, oh, it's very, very cheap. You can get like a really nice house for like 200 grand in like Georgia, like a really nice badass house and like everyone just like flocked to Georgia and like bought all this real estate and i think blackrock bought like a third of every new house in georgia at one point at least during like the that boom cycle so um yeah i mean it's the the best time to buy bitcoin was 3 years ago and the second best time is now and uh i don't know if the same is true for for Georgia, right. But for, for, for housing, but three years ago, it was very juicy uh, in terms of pricing. Now, like all the houses have like doubled in price because people found out Georgia was a state and it was cheap or something. And, uh,
1: you're not selling uh, Atlanta. Well, Michael,
0: (laughs) it is is what it is. We're still way cheaper than like New York and California and Florida and stuff. But, uh, you know, even, even Nashville, Tennessee, and, you know, has, has gone up and, it, dude, every it doesn't help when we're printing all this money, you know, people are people are becoming more I think COVID and the whole like work from home uh, thing and uh, everyone becoming a little bit more mobile, like in terms of where they want to live. It's really made these cities less um, holy, you know, like where you don't need to be in Silicon Valley, you don't need to be in New York, you don't need to be in DC, you don't need to be in Seattle, you know, you don't need to be in Atlanta or Austin. Like you can be literally wherever you want now and uh have like a good internet connection and pretty much be as productive as you already were being. It's created it's it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like equal it's kind of made some of this stuff equalized, not obviously to full extent, because you know, if you're if you're in San Francisco, you're gonna have a rent that's three X what it what it would be in Atlanta, right? Or more. But um but but yeah, I I would say if if you're if you're moving to Atlanta, you're coming uh for for stuff with like, hey, I want to conceal carry without a permit. I want to feel like um, I can I can raise a family, you know, in the suburbs, and there, it won't, you know, it's not going to be like a desert. It's not going to be cold. It's going to be decent weather, you know, throughout the year, and um, you know. I I know this guy named Brandon and Tidwell, they live over there and I can hang out with them, you know, stuff like that. So
2: <laughs> Yeah. That's probably the biggest probably the biggest reason to move to Georgia is because we're here. But I think Atlanta I mean, compared to other big cities in the US, I think Atlanta actually has a really great cost of living. Uh, <laughs> contrary to what Tidwell just said. I mean compared to well, other big well, cities like you know, Austin is more expensive, LA, New York, Seattle, all these other cities are, are more expensive. And Atlanta, you get all the big city amenities and the cost of living is definitely lower. And we still have four seasons, but we don't get snow. So that's kind of a plus. You still get the cold, you still get the spring, the beautiful autumn and the hot summer. Um, so, I mean, I've been in Atlanta for a little over 10 years and um, I've loved it so far. It's been a great place.
0: I'm not I'm not saying that the cost of living is bad here. I'm just saying we started TAPCONF and then people learned about Atlanta. Mm, so, <laughs> so if we didn't ever start TAPCONF, people wouldn't actually know about Georgia. So, you know,
2: Single-handedly moving
0: the market. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, we're the, the, I mean, literally the real estate was like a third of the cost, like five years ago. Like it, it's ridiculous. And, and, and we're still like half the price of like everyone else at least. So.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a great Bitcoin city, man. It it like you guys have the Atlanta BitPlebs, uh Atlanta Bit Devs. You got that amazing NCR building <laughs> and then uh TabConf every year. And then you get to hang out with people like yo. I mean, it's it's a nice uh yeah, man, it's a really nice town. Uh when when we were up there, I couldn't believe how tall the trees were. And and also like everything looked like the Walking Dead. I was just like, whoa, that's a scene from The Walking Dead.
0: <laughs> I, I, I like that's not a compliment where you're like oh i went to your city it looks like an apocalyptic <laughs> wasteland like where it was cool dude it was
1: cool me and austin our, were like we were downtown like walking around it was, it was awesome
2: our nickname is the city of trees
0: oh that makes For sense good reason. That's, that's one thing like because i've because i've grown up in atlanta i've never like realized the tree thing being a big deal until i go to another city i'm like where are all the trees and I, <laughs> They're like you know, three feet like, tall, <laughs> or or there's just no <laughs> trees, right? Yeah, in some and city. Yeah. You
1: know. Thanks for coming on the show, guys. I really appreciate it. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Do you guys have any final words you want to uh, you know send out there to the plebs?
0: Uh, go to go to GitHub. Uh, go to uh, GitHub.com/slash/tabcomp/slash. What is it? Twenty twenty three. tab comp.com
1: I'm totally Anyways, done.
0: find the find the TabConf 2023 repo and uh comment, ask questions, vote with emojis, start making the trend that that you think should be happening, and uh we'll see your activity on there. Oh wow,
1: Tony Giorgio yeah. just posted a uh, one right now, 37 minutes ago.
0: There you go. I want I need you to upload that one <laughs>
2: The only thing I would say is I'm looking forward to coming over to Austin and hanging out with you all um, and being a part of everything that's going on over there. And uh, I can't wait for all of you to be in Atlanta again.
1: Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm looking forward to Tabcom. I I absolutely cannot wait. It's uh, looking forward to September. Let's do it.